0: My name is Jason Flatland, and I'm here to inspire you to go bigger with your dreams and goals, so you can give bigger with your profits.
1: Welcome to the Go Big to Give Big podcast, where we are challenging six-figure earners to become seven-figure givers. Our mission is to have you lead this podcast wanting to go bigger with your dreams and goals so that you can give bigger with your profits. Let's not waste any more time and jump right into it. All right, today's guest is the incredible Jason Fladlian. He is also known as the $100 million webinar man. He is the chief strategy officer and co-founder of Rapid Crush. We're there not only setting records, but leaving the charge in the webinar affiliate and coaching spaces. Uh, and Jason is also considered one of the best webinar marketers of all time. And you will instantly see why as we dive into this interview with him. Steve and I were captivated by his ability to be so clear, concise, and deliver his content in a way that had us feeling like we were in a webinar during the interview. Uh, One of our favorite things, though, was how humble he is about his giving. At the end of the the interview, uh, Jason shared that this is the first time that he has publicly talked about the incredible work he has done with the Make-A-Wish Foundation, and we couldn't be more inspired to go bigger and give bigger after hearing about the impact he has made with his profits. This was an incredible episode, and I can't wait for you guys to hear from our new friend, Jason Fladlian all right we are excited to welcome our guest today jason vladlin thank you so much coming in man my pleasure i was uh i was excited when we uh got the pitch from you that you wanted to come on the show and i started reading through your bio it uh had a little thing that you were used to be a rapping monk and have gone on now to produce over a hundred million dollars uh in webinar stuff you know as the hundred million dollar webinar man and i was like man we got to get this guy in and talk to him because that's just a cool story uh to go from uh, a rapping monk and I did some research into, and it sounds like it's a really incredible story. And I'd love for you just to start with that, um, you know, diving in a little bit of how you make a transition of doing that. And I know that's where a lot of your sales background came from. So we'd love to just learn a little bit of that before we dive into uh, too many of the go big questions. Yeah, it's a crazy story. So... I was like about twenty years old, uh, living with my
0: dad. I dropped out of of college after a semester and a half. I was just, and I was so depressed and so miserable. Had a pretty tough upbringing as a child, Uh, a lot of trauma there that I didn't know about till later. So I was just feeling bad all the time. I had these panic attacks all the time, like two, three, four a day. Uh, And the only thing in my life that was ever interesting to me, like as a calling or as a purpose, was music and rapping and hip-hop and producing it, uh, anything I could do to be a part of it. It's the only thing I ever really got switched on by. And so I was performing in front of audiences when I was like seven or eight years old. Uh, I actually produced my first album, self-produced it when I was like 15 years old. But I I never took it serious because I had all these other mental issues like severe depression, anxiety. Uh, So it would always distract me. And I, I, I played for it as a hobby and didn't really think about going big, which is kind of you know what you guys are about, right? Um, I was playing it small. And then one of the guys I did music with, he went out and he started traveling with the Hare Krishnas. And he came back and I was like, this is kind of interesting. Uh, and I was always intellectually curious. That was the other thing about me is I just like to learn things all the time. Ever since I was born, I, I like to learn things. And so he's like, oh, the, they're vegetarian. So I'm like, let me just learn about vegetarianism because that's kind of interesting to me. And then somehow the internet, which is like the story of my life, got me down this rabbit hole where I'm now reading. I'm like, oh, the Hare Krishnas, they talk about it too. This guy went on there. So let me read a little bit about their philosophy. And then it sounded really interesting. So I'm like, all right, I'm really messed up in my life. Let me try it out. I did. And I started to see some relief. And then I started meditating more and I started doing some of the spiritual practices and that switched me on. And I'm like, if I'm going to be here, I I, I better be here as much as I can. If I'm going to do great things to honor where I was created from, the ultimate creator, what could that look like? Well, let me actually take the music serious. So I started going at it. If I wasn't doing meditation and spiritual practices, I was doing music, and that was it. And so I put all my money, all my time into this music, and it did not do well. (laughs) It was... I mean, a white, a Hare Krishna rapping monk from a small town in Iowa. I mean, it sounds obvious why I didn't do well in hindsight. By the way, at the worst period of time when everybody quit buying records is when I decided to put one out, uh, And but I didn't want to fail, so I kept working at it. So I started studying things that I didn't even, was not the least bit interested in before, such as business. I had no desire to be in business of any sort, and then I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. Uh, there's more to it than I realize. You can't just put a product out there. There's got to be a thing that people have demand for, and it's got to be communicated in a certain way. Context matters, et cetera, et cetera. And then the marketing, which is a subset of business, I was like, "Oh, this is psychology. I like psychology." And then I got, I noticed the more I got into the marketing, the more interested I was in that, even more so than in music. So at first it was like, I'm going to do the marketing of my music. And I'm like, well, that's not working. Marketing entertainment is really hard, but I think I can market solutions instead. That seems to be easier. So let me try to do that. And I'll, I'll take the money and then I'll put it into my music because you know, capital was one of the many limitations I had mm-hmm. to grow the music business. And so then, but it's like, it's not that easy, right? So I was like, I can't make money just marketing for marketing sake over here then then try to put it in the music business. So I said, okay, I'm going to figure out this marketing stuff. So I attacked that with the same attitude that I attacked the music, the only difference was is the conditions were more fertile. And there was things that I was not only passionate about, but I was predisposed to be good at. I didn't know that at the time, but in retrospect, I learned that. And so I started building up uh, a business that I was going to then take the money and put in the music. But along the way, the business itself and the marketing itself became more interesting to me. And that became my muse, uh, and then I got really good at it. And so that's that's the story. If I wasn't a monk first, I would have
1: never been a marketer, and I would not be here on this podcast today talking business. That is so cool. Did I love that? And and what a journey. And and I think meditation is one of the coolest things because just so much comes from it when you don't expect it, and, and and incredible ideas come to you. I'd love to hear like what was the first uh, you know funnel that you started making, and, and the first webinar that you started doing that you're like oh, this is actually going to work. Like, I know you, you you seem like you're a very logical guy. You kind of broke you know, webinars down into being like, oh, I just have to figure out how the seller works and how this works and how this works, and all of a sudden everything's just going to work. What was the first product or thing you started to sell? Yeah, it's a great question. So I had run out of money in the music business.
0: It was completely, just to make ends meet, I had to go get a day job painting houses. And I'm like, this is miserable. Uh, I'm trying to make the online stuff now work to make online money. Uh, but I'm doing it in my spare time. I'm like, I just got to replace the day job with me working for myself. So I'm willing to trade time for dollars if I could trade uh, less time and get more dollars and do it with more autonomy. So I was doing stuff online at the time where I was writing articles to promote other people's products and getting a commission if I were to make a sale. And this is in 2007. That's when article marketing was really big. And that, that was okay but it took a while and I wasn't making too much money at it. I was making less than $12 an hour, which is what I was making painting houses. But I learned how to write articles very quickly and high quality ones on any topic that you could put in front of me. And so I, I hung on my shingle and I said, listen, I'm going to replace my day job with one I could do myself. And I started ghostwriting, writing articles for other marketers. And after six months of doing that, I was making decent money, 30, 40, 50 bucks an hour, a small town Iowa, boy, that's a lot. And I didn't have to leave the house and I didn't have to answer to anybody else. And you didn't
1: yeah. go home covered in paint at the end of the night.
0: I, yeah, it's exactly right. Oh my gosh. You know, we, and we would work like dogs too, six, seven days a week. And we'd drive an hour to the job site and then drive an hour back. And, and my boss was a very, very taskmaster oriented individual. We definitely did not get along very well uh so i had to do that but writing articles all day long is is a different sort of misery (laughs) and after six months i was like okay this ain't cutting it and out of desperation i said i know people want to learn what i could teach on how to write articles not even necessarily how to monetize them just how to write them really quickly uh and so i put out a little product and i didn't know what i was doing and i was scared to sell it so i sold it for four dollars and it was like a little six page ebook. And it was like, you want to learn how to write articles fast? Do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, done. And it worked unbelievably well. None of this was calculated. All of this came out of desperation, but uh, people loved the product. They found it on a forum. So I posted it on a special offer section of an internet marketing forum for 20 bucks. Uh, I took out an ad and the ad was on a forum. You literally posted the actual sales copy, the whole pitch on the forum. This is like web social media 1.0. <laughs> Facebook and all this stuff was not popping back then. So people would hit reply to the thread on the forum and leave their feedback. And that was the first real social proof that existed on the internet. And people would buy this product and they would say, wow, I just, I read the book in 10 minutes. I applied it. And 15 minutes later, I got a better result than I've gotten before. And I and now I you know after I learned that I started calculating those paradigm shifts like we could actually design those and build those out, uh, but at the time it was pure happenstance that that occurred that way, and so people just started talking about it, and all of a sudden I had a bunch of customers, a couple thousand customers, just like that within two weeks, and I'm like I'm on to something here, uh, and that's when I started working backwards. How can I find one very specific problem, create one very specific solution to it? and then make the product, which was an ebook, in one sitting. Meaning I could sit down, write the whole thing in one sitting. And then when I get up, I could go and sell it. And I did that for the next year. And it was only after that, that I
1: graduated to webinars. Wow. That is incredible, dude. That's uh, a lot of patience in the marketplace. And uh, a lot of just listening to what people are saying and trusting your intuition and uh, grinding it out. That's that's absolutely phenomenal. Now walk us through the the like, you know, you become the 100 million dollar webinar man. That growth, I think, happened fairly quickly for you along the on the along the way, where you just hit some good home runs and and knocked them out of the park. What does that life look like when you go from just trying to try and make a few thousand dollars a month to selling, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars on on webinars?
0: Yeah, it's a, it's insane. Uh, timing is so important. You know, the harder I work, the luckier I get. Kind of a deal. Yeah. Is webinars were a thing I wanted to do before I did them, I was just eyeing them, watching them. I'm like, the timing isn't right. The technology isn't solid enough and the internet connections aren't fast enough. Uh, And when they do, I want to be the first to strike. And I I had the benefit of being new. And let me explain why that's a benefit because the other guys that were starting in the webinar space at the time I was, because there was no manuals back then, there was no training programs, nobody knew what they were doing. These other successful people they were successful cuz they learned to sell on a stage in front of a live audience. So they would kind of port that into a webinar scenario. These other guys would do teleseminars and they were really good at those. So they they'd kind of slap lipstick on that pig and and turn it into a webinar thing. But I did what Tesla later did in the in the automobile industry because I wasn't Ford or Chevy or Toyota. I didn't have these inbuilt biases. I wasn't trying to, you know, make an electric car from an old paradigm uh that these companies were, I could start from scratch. So everything was as an opportunity for me to try something out and experiment and I didn't have any preconceived notions or biases. So I was able to work the webinars out from that perspective of, I don't know anything. I don't have anybody to learn it from. I'm going to figure it out all on my own. And then that was that's how I was able to design all of these innovations that have now, since most of them have become uh, industry standards. And so that gave me a huge advantage up front is if you, if you follow the the model of everybody else, you're at best going to get almost as good as results as they get. It's like Xeroxing a Mona Lisa, right? And, but it's like, if I can create my own system and then get so good at that, by the time you learn about it, you'll, you'll never be able to catch up. And I can continue to innovate and build on that. That's where I was really fortunate. And then and then I was also I, I combined that with another skill set that I developed, which was spotting these these what I call Haley Comet type of opportunities. They don't come around very often. When they come around, they're ten times greater for one tenth of the effort. And I was able to catch a couple of those waves along the way. So I was I was able to take these really strong technical um, processes that I developed for selling on a webinar, and then waiting for those times when those. Big, massive changing of the guards of the internet took place, and then positioning myself in that intersection to get the
1: biggest benefit out of those. Um, we can certainly break some of those down. And yeah. Steve, Steve's going to ask you some technical questions. I mean, he's a Steve's a bit of a technical guy. Uh, I'm more of a big, big picture kind of guy. So, um, my my final question before we get into some of the technical stuff is really just like so so where are you now are our webinars still the thing or are you finding the next thing to pivot into the next thing to move into or are you still just tripling down on what you know
0: i mean it's hard to beat a webinar uh they're certainly not the hot chick at the prom anymore um it's now they're the soccer mom. I guess if you want to extend that analogy, <laughs> uh, people back in the day, you could have went a <laughs> webinar, and 500 people would just show up. They're like, oh, this cool new thing. Let me let me be part of it. And they're like, oh, wow, you're selling something at the end of it. I didn't know that you were going to do that. Uh, now we had a resurgence of that uh, during the pandemic and everybody got on Zoom again. Uh, so there was a little bit of uptick on that. So it's not the the cool in style thing. Uh, but the challenge with it is you don't want to build your business around anything that's only in style for a period of time so all of those that are putting it all on red meaning tiktok right now i hate to tell you that's dangerous you can use tiktok don't get me wrong but it should not be your whole business so the reason why we still love webinars is is is, is, is you, you take a look at it you say what's my mission in business and it, and it doesn't my mission doesn't have to be your mission and it's not a judgment on anybody else if it's different but my mission is how can I give the most value upfront to somebody to show them what it's like to be my customer before they have to invest to become my customer? So we do that through education. We do that through experience. We do that through information. We do that through transformation. And so then what are the vehicles available that can do that? Um, my friend, Jeff Walker, uh, created the product launch formula, and that's really effective. And you can follow that, and that's one of the ways you can do that. And and the, the only issue I had with that for me personally is it took too long. I wasn't that patient. Uh, you know, multiple videos up front of value in advance of the sale, and there was a lot of moving parts. My ADHD brain doesn't work under those circumstances. Uh, and then you could do like a challenge model, which has become more in style these days. And and uh, one of the people that I mentored, Pedro Adao, was really innovative and on the cutting edge of those. Uh, and again, my problem with that is. I just, I want to engineer the most amount of value with the least amount of interaction possible. Um, And so I don't know anything better on the internet that does that than a webinar that also pairs with my strengths. Uh, Because I'm very comfortable speaking in public. I I can think very quickly on my feet. Uh, I'm a good educator and I'm a good pitch person. So I can sell and I can educate and I can coach. Um, And I like to do things mass market. Um, that's more my style. I want to reach the masses, not necessarily a very small individual type of audience out there. I want to reach hundreds of thousands of people. Like we have 150,000 plus customers in 131 countries. And I like that my stuff is out there all over the place. And I don't know anything better than webinars that can do that. Cause the webinar is an advertisement, but unlike most advertisements that you want to skip or avoid, uh, it's an advertisement that in and of itself is valuable. And then if we can extend that value and turn it into a sell, usually you either have to sell or you have to educate, but you can't do both. And the webinar is the only model that I've found that can most effectively do both. It's not the only one in our toolkit and we do other things too, but more often than not for the markets that we play in, if there's something better than a webinar, I'm going to use it, but there
2: usually isn't. Dude, I love it. And, uh, you know, I, I told you before we, we started recording here, like I could rip on webinars for days here. And so uh, I think the the place I want to start anyways, is maybe a little bit more on the masses side of things. And let me just ask you, do you think that every business out there can be successful with webinars, given like the right criteria of like format and stuff? Or are there? businesses that do better slash are there businesses that just have a hard time with the webinar platform?
0: Yeah, there's a lot of businesses where a webinar wouldn't make sense for them. Um, Usually it's low ticket type of products and where they sell it in bulk or even like an Apple. I can't imagine companies like Apple, Apple or Tesla doing webinars and that making sense in any way, shape or form. Uh, for a variety of reasons so the the businesses that tend to benefit the most from webinars are ones where information prior to the sale increase the understanding are important so anything that we make a uh, anything where we need a lot of information in order to make a decision on webinars are probably going to work well for you Um, so most people believe it or not when they buy like an iphone versus another smartphone they don't need a lot of information to make that decision essentially the information they need is is it cool? Will I look cool using it? Uh, and, and will my friends and I be able to connect with it? Uh, that's pretty much it. And is it within a price range that I can find a way to to acquire it? Uh, so there's not a lot there. There's more branding and there's more of this other stuff. And then there's other things like you know a pack of gum. Like you don't need to go to a webinar to decide what pack of gum you want to buy. It's <laughs> it's an impulse purchase. Um, and and then even certain things that are information based. It's uh, if it's a small bit of information and you're going to sell it for $30, the webinar probably isn't going to do it for you because there's going to be slippage. You're going to say, come to this webinar and only a certain amount of people will we'll even sign up and then only a certain amount of that will show up. And then only a certain amount of that will stay to the point that you make the offer, which is usually 60 to 90 minutes in. And then only a certain point will say, yes, after that. So the attrition along the way is, is too, too much. The webinar is designed for heavily information-focused type of decisions, and and more importantly, to the percentage of the audience that is most serious. So Mm -hmm. economics dictate that 20% of any marketplace will spend 80% of its dollars. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I want to go after the one-fifth of the mass market that spends four-fifths of the dollars. I want to go after the 20% of people that are going to achieve 80% of the success given in the market. And those are the people that will show up on a webinar those are the people that will go the extra mile, step through the extra hoop in order to really learn and figure things out. So this is why like in real estate webinars make a lot of sense because there's a lot of information that's needed that if you understand it can help you, and if you don't understand it can hurt you. So there's a prejudice to saying more information will make me a more informed purchaser. Uh, any investing uh, webinars typically are very good, uh, a model for it. And then other things too, where people are really passionate about that can significantly change the course of their life. A webinar is going to be very effective nine times out of 10 uh, in any of those markets. So the good news is this, I don't think you can go wrong trying out a webinar, even if the webinar is not a sales webinar. uh, If you just go to your audience and say, hey, listen, I got this new thing I want to try out. I don't know if it'll work or not, but my goal is to give you X, Y, and Z, whatever the benefit is. And I think doing it in this way can help you. Are you willing to experiment with me? If so, show up this Thursday at 2 p.m. I'm gonna show this thing to you. We'll kick it around for 45 minutes and maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. You let me know. Let's figure it out together. And that's like a low risk invitation. It's very exciting for people to be part of something like that. And then you get on there and say, can I help people for 45 minutes? Can I make them better when they leave the webinar than they were before they started? Uh, Run that test. And if you can do that, you've empowered your audience and an empowered audience makes better decisions. They spend more money and they get better results.
2: That's a great example of how to test it. And I really love the, the language that you use there. It was very like passive, but at the same time collaborative. And it, it gave that invitation, but also that genuine aspect of like, this might not work. It might not be for you, but you know, if you're interested, come on in. It's like open invite basically. And I think that's been really successful for me as well. And you know, there's lots of different, like, I'll say, like, not criteria, but, like, segments of a webinar being, like, I'll say, like, the, the 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 invitation being one, or, like, the advertising of, like, be a part of this webinar. There's, like, the hook, I'll say. There's that, like, intro aspect. There's the educational piece. There's, you know, the closing aspect. There's the follow-up. There's the actual, like, mechanics of how do you build out, if you're doing, like, a, a, an evergreen type of webinar, like, how do you build out all the communication within or, or the funnel, the system itself? of all of those different things what do you think you spend the most amount of time on that gives you the most amount of ROI back out that's yeah, a great question uh, it's all about the message
0: so i obsess over this so think of so the, the saying goes like this if i had 8 hours to chop down a tree i'd spend 6 hours sharpening the axe mm-hmm. and the axe is what's the message that is going to be transformative to that person that once they hear it they will never be the same again uh, and and I'll give you the higher evolution of this thinking that I've now really honed in on to. Uh, most people are only as big as their biggest limitation. So the, it's, they are capped. So whatever their biggest excuse is, that's going to hold them down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if somebody feels like they're an absolute failure at the topic and that they'll always be a failure, no amount of anything that you teach that person is going to fix that. If you say here's seven ways to do X and they feel like no matter what I'm going to do, I'm a failure, guess what? They're not even going to try one or two or three of those ways, much less all seven. I'll I'll do you one better. They're not even going to allow you to put it into their brain long enough for it to stick. They're going to kick it out because there's resistance there because they're holding on to this lower belief that I'm a failure. And so anything that contradicts that is going to be incompatible with their model of reality, right? So my goal on a webinar is: How do I create a message that when they go to reach for that excuse, it's no longer there? Mm-hmm. They can't operate at a lower level anymore. How do I force them to operate at a higher level that's truer to them as an individual, and then they will automatically start to make better decisions? Um, you know, and I can give you all kinds of psychology, and then I'll give you one really s- simple example at a client once. Uh, And he says to me, he says, Jason, I want to be successful. I said, if we had to put a dollar figure on success, what would it be? He says, $10,000 a month. I go, so if you make $10,000 a month, then you'll feel successful. He goes, yes. I go, let me ask you this question. I go, how can you fail your way to $10,000 a month? And he looks at me weird. And I said, listen, dude, success is $50,000 a month. You ain't ready for that yet. You're not there you got to fail your way to $10,000 first. And then all of a sudden, this was in an audience where in person, this wasn't on a webinar, but this proves the point nonetheless. I see the revolution, the revelation in his eyes. He gets it instantly. And I look at him and I say, you know what to do now, don't you? And he goes, yes. And I said, I don't have to tell you anything more, do I? He goes, no. And everybody else, there's like 70 people in the answer. look at, like, what's the answer? I don't know the answer. (laughs) Tell me the answer. I don't know what the answer is to this day. And I didn't, and nobody else got to know the answer, but I saw that paradigm shift. Because, mm-hmm. and here's what I knew, here's what I was doing there was, is, is in his mind, he couldn't be successful unless he made $10,000, which is a terrible framework in order to measure success, by the way. Uh, no wonder he was having trouble struggling. So instead, I could try to convince him he's a success or he already believes he's a failure. So let's utilize failure and use that as an empowering mechanism, not as a limiting one. And by the way, if he proves me wrong and goes and makes $50,000 and says, see, I told you, great. But if he fails and only makes $10,000, great. But what happened was his, his excuse was no longer valid. He says, I can't be successful because I need to make $10,000. Now it's like, oh, I understand what I need to do now. I just need to figure out a way to move forward. Mm-hmm. It, and that was the change. And I didn't have to tell him what to do. I still don't know to this day, but I removed a block. And this is what we need to do with all of our audiences. Every single one of your audiences, they have blocks that stop them from moving forward. And until we remove that block, nothing else we can do matters. So I obsess over the message of every webinar that I create. What's the thing that I can do? So like, so say somebody wants to start an Amazon business. Cause I was, we, we sold $25 million on webinars of, of helping people get started in selling physical products on Amazon or growing an existing Amazon seller. And so a beginner seller, their excuses are all kinds of ones. What if I pick the wrong product? And uh, what if I the cash flow is an issue? Uh, what if I don't have enough money for inventory to get started? Um, you know, What if I put my product on Amazon, but nobody can find it, right? Um, and they have all of these issues that's going to stop them from moving forward. So it doesn't matter if you show them, here's how you can sell a million dollars of product. Here's how you can find and locate products. There's this belief inside that I'm going to make a mistake and something bad is going to happen to me. And if we don't immediately address that and continue to fight against that, we're only going to capture a very small segment of the market. Mm -hmm. A majority of the people we're not going to get. And so I would obsess over how can I make somebody be okay with finding a product, even if it's not a good product and still pulling the trigger on and still moving forward? How can I show somebody that even a substandard product, even you know, a four out of ten product under the right conditions can work? Can I design solutions? where we can take the pressure off of picking the right product, right? And just figuring out a way to where it's almost impossible for them to pick the wrong product. And so we would, we would be able to figure these things out and then they would come into the webinar and the whole setup on the webinars to remove those obstacles. So then when we present the solution, it's it's so obvious that they should say yes to it. Uh, and that's that's the messaging. And then you can start building the funnels, then you can start sending out the invitations. But But if you have what I just said, then you could, you could sleepwalk through the rest of the stuff and mm-hmm. still get a huge result. That's the meat in the sandwich, right? I think so many people spend so much time on the garnishes and on the salt and then the pepper and on the bread, and then they don't put the meat in the sandwich, the presentation, and more specifically, the messaging within the presentation. That is the key. Until you have that, nothing else matters. Once you have that, then it, anything
2: else that you put in place is just going to make it better. Dude, that was wicked. Everybody listening, pause, rewind the last three minutes, and re-listen to that probably three more times because uh, I think he really hit the nail on the head there. And I could see Randy wanting to jump into the conversation on, like, the growth side of things. But before he he takes over here again, uh, I just got to ask you, too. Like, I think there's... Uh, you know, I've, 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 I've been a part of webinars that have been poorly run and have been a part of webinars that I'm sure do multi-eight figures, nine figures even. From your experience, what's the difference between uh, other than messaging but like what's the difference between a business or a product or a message maybe between like the six figure sell and like the nine figure sell? yeah that's a good question uh variety of things so i'll
0: give like five what i think are the biggest key differences uh the first one is is don't show your Mo- mona lisa to a blind man right because uh, he will never appreciate it so sometimes the webinar is incredible but it's just in front of the wrong audience, and I can't tell you how. And we've made this mistake so many times. Uh, oftentimes, what happens is is you're ahead of your market. You're you're five steps ahead, so you're showing them step five, and they're on step one, uh, and that's really frustrating. So those are those are some issues. there. another issue is this lack of authenticity. Uh, and, and I'm and the problem with this. There's many problems with this, but oftentimes I see guys on webinars with this attitude of is. Essentially, it's like, I'm going to win and you're going to lose. I'm going to take your money for you. And I'm going to use you to get what I want, which is the sale. And we can all agree and say, oh, we're in it for the customer. And it's a win-win situation. We can pay lip service to that. But I'm going to tell you, most guys in this game eh, don't play it that way. Uh, They play it as a zero-sum game. Like, I take something from you. I use you to get what I want. No matter what they say, just observe the actions and you can see that. The, the the webinars that do the best, and to to do a massive eight figure webinar, you don't do that with one webinar. You do that webinar repeated several times over the course of months or even years. Like I've had webinars that have ran for many years, um, and they, it's like a snowball that turns into an avalanche. That's how most big webinars win. And in order for it to have that longevity, you have to have that sincerity. Where your customers have to believe you, that you will bleed for them, that you will go the extra mile for them. And so on my webinars, I can do things that most people can't do. I will push on customers in a way, other people, if they try to model it, they wouldn't get away with it. Because the difference is my customers understand where I'm coming from and my true desire to absolutely help them and that my purpose is to empower them and part of that by the way is not allowing them to settle for their lesser their lesser self but i can do that cuz there's a it's a it's an emotionally safe environment because the sincerity and the authenticity is there and in a lot of webinars you don't see that uh, people people don't realize that there's souls on the other end of the call <laughs> they look at it as numbers yeah not souls and that will limit them. So, I, that's another big issue that I see with these webinars that just don't work. The other issue is the product isn't good enough, man. Uh, it's like, here's the reality a, a mediocre product with superior marketing will make more money than a superior product with mediocre marketing. The gift wrap is more important than what's in the package. Point of sale. Now, long term value of the customer, different story. Uh, the challenge is having a superior product with superior marketing. That's the goldmine. That's the exponentialization. That's when four plus four equals eight versus four times four equals 16. It's hard to have both. This is why t- people typically hire me because they have a superior product and that, they took, that took 100% of their effort. They had nothing left over. And then I bring in the superior marketing and we marry the two. We match the two together. Uh, but you got to have a killer offer, first of all, to, to use another analogy, um, if you have bad ingredients to cook a meal and you have a great chef, you're not going to have a world-class meal. And if you have the best ingredients but an, a terrible cook, you're not going to have a world-class meal. What you want is the best ingredients and the best chef. And so oftentimes these people will spend more time on their presentations than they will on their products. And that's a big problem as well. Uh, so so a, a weak product is a big issue. So you gotta have the right audience, you gotta have the right product, and then you gotta have the right presentation. And then the fourth factor, the 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 external factor that none of us control is just sometimes opportunities hit. Like we were part of crypto when crypto was at a turning point. And so everybody was getting interested in it because everywhere they were were turning, they were hearing about it, but nobody knew what to do with with this thing, crypto, and we were able to guide and help people. Some of them actually followed our advice. Some of them didn't. <laughs> Obviously, we knew the market cycle, uh, but nonetheless, we empowered people to be more responsible, or at least we gave them the recipe to do it, and then they could listen or not listen. We got in on Amazon when Amazon was at a churning point. We got it in e-commerce because Amazon created this e-commerce, this whole Shopify uh, experience as well. Even before that, I got in on the software side uh, on WordPress, when WordPress was powering 25% of the internet, one in four websites, but nobody knew what the hell web, w- WordPress was. So every five to 10 years, something comes along that completely turns the market sideways. Uh, and so that's the one, that's the Haley's common opportunity. So that's the other thing too, is that external factor is not all off, not all opportunities are created equal. Uh, one opportunity will come along in a marketplace that will dwarf every other opportunity for the next year, two or three years. So you could have the same skill set, same resources. And this opportunity over here is going to make you 10 times the amount that that opportunity will over there. So getting good at spotting these changing of the guards. What happens when a marketplace immediately flips and a new opportunity presents itself and nobody knows their head from a hole in the ground? Well,
1: there's an opportunity to serve there. And that's where the big wins happen. Oh man, Steve and I are sitting here on on camera, just nodding our heads. Like, man, we are getting taken to school right now. This is this is incredible. We're uh, we're loving. It. There's so much value here. And just the way you can simply explain this, it, I think it's a huge part of it as well. Is that you can explain something in a way that people can understand it very simply. You can take a complicated thing, make it very simple. I Absolutely love that. Um, I want to I want to jump a little bit now into the uh, just to give big section of our of our interviews and and um i mean we we could probably spend another few hours talking to you about the uh the way you've built your webinars and how you scaled it and stuff but um one of the things i just want to chat with you is you're so passionate about everything that you seem to touch you're, you know things that you like your music and this like you get very passionate about it where does your passion come from now in the sense that maybe you have what you need you've kind of built that success you've done it what is your what is your next passion project in the sense that makes you feel fulfilled or makes you feel like you want to give more to somebody else in that space?
0: Yeah, it's really the testimonials um, we had uh, literally this morning. I was going through preparing for something else and and I sent a message to this guy. I'm going to pull it up and read it because this guy sent me an email uh, and this email says, uh, he says, dude, I am eternally grateful uh, for you. It says today's results, 543 registrants, 200 to 230 live 42 cells at 997, now starting the 48 hour replay sequence. And then he says, dude, I I followed all of your advice to the T and just made forty two thousand dollars in 2.5 hours. What the F? <laughs> that's, that's how he signed the <laughs> testimonial, right? It wasn't even a testimonial, like I didn't ask yeah. him for it. He just said it to me out of the blue, right? Now this is a guy named Bill. Uh now Bill called me when the pandemic hit. Because he decided he's going to market to lawyers. I don't know why he just did, and no lawyer could take an in-person consultation to then turn a person into a client or a case like they normally did. Everything was up for grabs. So you want to talk about a paradigm-shifting opportunity? Uh, here's one for you. Uh, and Bill put a whole bunch, uh, you know, thousands of lawyers all of a sudden out of nowhere register for this virtual thing where he's going to teach them how to virtualize their practice. Uh, and, and he was he was just this kid just starting out. And he found my book. Uh, I wrote a book on webinars called One to Many. He found it, he bought it, he read it, and then he figured out a way to contact me. He cold emailed me. Uh, and and he says, I, I don't know what to do. I got it set up over here. I've never done anything like this before. I've never sold anything. Can you help me, please? And I don't know why, just, I, I I said, uh, I'm going to call you. And I picked up the phone and I called him. cold, Just out of the blue. And for two and a half hours, uh, I walked him through what to do and uh he took these notes and he was such such a good student i could just tell that this kid is going to figure it out and do something amazing if i can help him and it's worth two and a half hours of my time and so i i did this with bill now just so you have the context today's bill bill's business is worth 80 million dollars he had an offer for about 80 million i think it was 70 to 80 million i think it was 70 and he turned it down because it's worth 80 right uh and this business started in part because he didn't know what to do. And he cold called me out of the book, cold emailed me, and then I got on the phone with him. And he was so excited because this is the first $42,000 he ever made selling anything on a webinar. right? And all of that came from a $10 purchase of a book uh, that he bought from me. And now he's got a company worth $80 million. So today, I, I just stumbled across that. And I said it to him. I said, I was looking for something else today and found this. And then he says, LOL, I remember the moment I sent you that. And I ran into him in Miami six months ago. And uh, he says that that Google Doc where he took those notes on that first conversation we ever had, he says that's the most viewed document of all of his documents. He looks at it all the time. And so that to me is the passion, is to have people like Bill uh, who now have like $80 million businesses. And I could count uh, more than a dozen people, more than two dozen people, who were like him who in some way shape or form what i could do uh was able to impact them and I'll, I'll give you another one this one just happened last night too um so i'm in los angeles now but i grew up in iowa uh, my mom came out here with us and my mom's going back for the holidays because we're recording this like it's december 8 right now right um and she told her best friend since childhood um that uh she's because she comes back and she hangs out with her and so her grandson so my mom's best friend's grandson found me one day. I don't know how he found me. He looked me up, and he he thinks I'm like the coolest person ever. Like, I don't. It's funny, right? It's like I guess the entrepreneur is the new rock star. And he was like, "Can can you have him sign a book and give it to me? Um, please, just whatever you can do, get him to sign a book." And I totally would. You know, I just my mom kept forgetting about it, kept forgetting to bring it up, and he was so disappointed because it was his birthday last month. And he didn't get my book signed. He was so angry and I'm laughing at this whole situation. So I wrote a little book, a little, I autographed it, wrote a little note for him, gave it to my mom. My mom's flying back this weekend to give it to him. I know when she gives this kid, this book, it's going to make his whole freaking year. And, And it's, and it's crazy for me that something as simple as that could do so much for somebody else. Uh, it blows my mind. So my passion are like, who are the future Bills? Or this kid's name is Logan. Who are these future Logans? These, these young kids that look up to me, uh, which still is a just blows my mind that people look up to me. Uh, and how can I find more of those people, help those people? Because man, I've been in poverty and nothing good comes out of poverty, except for the desire to escape poverty. And that's what really drives me. Contribution, if I had to sum it up in one word, is I get up in the morning to contribute. And my contribution is to help other people with my unique gifts, uh, make them get more out of life. And that gets me to get more
2: out of life. And I was going to reiterate what Randy said a few minutes ago. Like the way that you articulate things is freaking magic. Like I've never heard what you just said, how you just said it. Like, so many people come on this podcast all the guests that we've had i think have one thing in common it's not necessarily like success in business it's not necessarily like they've given the most or they've done the most or or this or that i think the thing that ties all of us together is that we wake up every single morning ready and and, and driven to contribute and i just loved how you said that man thank you um and in yeah geez On that note too, like, I got to ask, like, is there a moment that you can think back on, um, where it may not be like the biggest amount that you've ever given, might not be like the most, you know, biggest thing, but is there a moment that you can think of that still pulls your heartstrings when it comes to like a proud moment of giving?
0: Yeah. So, uh, this is an interesting story. It's a long story, uh, and it's tragic, uh, but it's helped shape me who I am today. Um. I had the client, his name was Sherm, and uh, when I started in this business, this is 2008, and I had a little brother, his name was Ryan, and Ryan loves SpongeBob. Well, it turned out one of my customers, even way back then when I only had a couple thousand customers, I was making maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars a year at most, uh, was part of the original storyboarding for SpongeBob SquarePants. Like You could see mm-hmm. his name on the credits when they rolled for the first season. A uh, SpongeBob. And he was literally in one of my courses on how to market his... He, he had a created an information product on storyboarding. <laughs> and so he wanted to know how to market it. I, this is a good niche, by the way. I, uh, I figured that out later. And as thanks because of some of the training that I did is he literally sent uh, a SpongeBob cartoon um, with Ryan's name in it, where he drew it, where he was blowing this bubble SpongeBob was, and it had Ryan's name in it and all of this stuff. And here's the reason that he sent it. Uh, because my brother, um, at the age of nine got diagnosed with brain cancer and in six months later, he passed away. And I was there on the day that he passed away is January 25th, uh, which, and by the way, his birthday just happened December third. he would have been 22 years old. Uh, we did a little thing. Uh, we, we sung him happy birthday. I mean, because even the dog, I gave the dog some ice cream and we celebrated it. It was really cool. Um, but, uh. Sherm did that uh, because he heard about it from what I was going through. And that was a kind gesture where he sent that. My mom still has that. It's in her room. It's on this nice easel and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Part of that was Make-A-Wish Foundation uh, granted us a wish. And so my brother Ryan wanted to go to Disneyland uh, or Disney World, wherever the one is out in Orlando. So we went and we did that. And that has some of my best memories of our time together there before he really got sick, we went out and they did it, they did it up to the nines. It wasn't just like you went there, you got the special pass, you could go backstage. like you were treated like a, just the best of the best. Um, so when I started my business or my, my business that I have today which is called Rapid Crush, which I, I formed with my business partner Wilson Matos in 2011. Um, before that it was just kind of me. Uh, We sat down and we said, we're going to take a certain percentage of all the profit we make in the business and we're going to contribute it um, to a charity of our choice. And he had his charity and I had my charity. And my charity was to make a wish foundation um, because of what they had done for us. And so I was like, I want to grant kids wishes just like my brother had a wish granted that I could experience and be part of. And so we started doing that. And then we hit a year, like in 2015, that's when we really rocked the, the Amazon space. We, we figured that out. We wrote the webinar of all webinars, and we sold $9.8 million on a webinar in eight days uh, of a product. It was just insane at the time. So our 2015 year was so incredible that, we were, we, uh, that the percentage that I donated, which was half of the percentage, because Will would take his and donate it to his charity, and I would donate mine to Make-A-Wish. Uh, even though it was a sliver of that, it was such a significant contribution that when they publish at the end of the year, they send like a brochure out to the top donors, the top companies, they give them status, they give them plaques or trophies and all that kind of stuff. I can't remember the exact number, but we were like high up there with fortune 500 companies in terms of contribution. And I was like, Wow. I couldn't believe that because we just did it just because I wanted to grant some kids some wishes and I didn't even keep track. I had no idea it went to that level that we were able to be on, on, on the same pace as some of these other much bigger companies. And the, the main thing out of all of that that I took away that, that made that all possible was you know I had to give the eulogy at Ryan's funeral and I was struggling to come up with what am I going to say? And, and the way that helped me out when I said to the audience was, was I'd like, like he had this spirit about him, that if we could all imbibe that spirit and have that be part of our day, not only would that help us, but it would be like Ryan was still there. And so I made a vow. I said, I'm going to do great things in Ryan's name. That's what I said in my head that morning that I had to give that eulogy. Uh, and that was a big part of how I started showing up even more in my business. But then as a byproduct, without even thinking about it, just because, you know, Will and I had this attitude of being charitable, uh, we were able to do great things in his name quite literally by being able to, you know, we got one make a wish and we granted, I don't know how many thousands probably at this point, make a wishes for other kids and in
1: similar situations. Dude, that is so freaking special. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't even know what to say after that. That is that has got to be one of the most humbling moments in in life when you're able to make that kind of impact and not even realize it just cuz you're just such a good human. Dude, I I love everything that you're about and everything you do and uh, I, uh, there's so much to that. Dude, that And we've never really talked about that by the way. This is maybe the first
0: podcast ever cuz I'm never I'm always invited on podcasts where we just talk business strategy, right? Um, I think this is the first time I've ever publicly shared the story to that level here today. Uh, it's cause of the attitude is it's just something you do. Uh, yeah. you just do it to do it. You don't do it for any other reason. Uh, so it's nice. I'll talk about it. Obviously you guys asked me, so I'm <laughs> talking about it, but it's nice to,
1: uh, that you just realize that you just do it to do it. Yeah, man. That is special. That sets us up uh, so perfectly for our our final segment with you. Dude, I wish we could hang out all day and talk, but there, we, we got to end it at some point. So um, the the final segment that we have is called our Giving Round. So it's just some questions for you, rapid fire, and uh, quick answer. Are you ready for them? I'm ready. Brag on one charity that you like that isn't the Make-A-Wish Foundation. So the Michael Hoffman Foundation is now where I,
0: I give my money to. It's a local foundation for kids with cancer, uh, specifically mm-hmm. So, I can see the benefit contribution locally uh, and it's still in line with that. Uh, I, 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 We don't have time for the story today, but one of the things they did is allow me to fly around with the LAPD in
2: a helicopter one day. Uh, <laughs> Very cool. That was an experience. No doubt. What would get you more excited? Donating a $1 million check or spending a week physically helping others? Oh, definitely
0: physically helping others. Very cool. Who inspires you with their giving? Oh, great question. Uh, the people that inspire me the most are the unsung heroes, the ones that you don't hear about that just pitch in, that every weekend they show up somewhere, or uh, the people, I, I'll give you a great example. Uh, I got to meet her. Her name is Cynthia uh, Joyner-Kersey. She wrote the book called Unstoppable, and she created the Unstoppable Foundation. Uh, and I was reading her book before I ever got to meet her. Uh, I got to have this private dinner with her for the, her charity one night that was awesome. Uh, and I told her the story when I finally met her is in her book, she she has a uh, she talks about this these people that create this foundation where they write uh, letters to people in in the hospital that are going through tough times. and that's their whole charity. So people like that who would sit there and write a letter to a stranger um, who's suffering and sick in the hospital, those anybody can do that. Uh, and the people that do that consistently and they're usually kids, by the way kids are doing that. Uh, my, My oldest daughter got sick and had to go to the hospital for a blood disorder that she had at the time during Christmas. And some kid wrote her a letter in the mail and sent it to her and just some stranger. And I cherish that letter to this very day, how he's like, you got this, hang in there. We're rooting for you. That's the heroes for me. It's the people that get no credit, no publicity on it, regular folks. And they just, consistently do acts of kindness to strangers that they'll never meet.
2: Extremely well said, sir. Do you think that entrepreneurs should start giving as a line item in their business from day one or wait until they've seen some success and have some money in the bank? Uh, It's a tough one, right? I mean, me personally, I think you should make it a
0: line item, but I can see other businesses that if they did that, they wouldn't get off the ground and then they wouldn't be able to give later. Uh, so it's probably, it's a toss up, man. I guess you have to really do some soul searching and then figure out the answer, but you should at least be conscious of it and consider it.
1: Beautiful. Uh, what is the first thing you think of when you hear go big to give big? I think, yeah,
0: I'm like, God, let's do it.
1: I like the fact that <laughs> it's being
2: said. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. In one
1: word, describe the feeling you get when you give. Gratitude. Beautiful, man. And the uh, the final question we got for you today, uh, it's the age-old question that, do you believe that money can buy you happiness? Yeah, absolutely. My friend Joe Polish, he has this saying, he goes, people that say money can't buy happiness haven't given enough of it away. Mm. And I'm like, there you go. That's how you buy happiness. You get a lot of money and then you give it away. Dude, I absolutely love that and couldn't be more true. We have the same belief on that one. So, dude, Jason, that was, uh, that was phenomenal, dude. Uh, incredible episode. Uh, We're so grateful to have you come in. I want to give you a second to just brag. How can people get in touch with you? How can they find out about your uh, incredible webinars Um, and just be uh, more immersed in your content?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So at 250webinar.com, you can go there and you can download my my one-page webinar framework that I teach people on who want to design webinars. It's totally free. You can get it there. I call it 250webinar because it's produced over a quarter billion dollars and counting at this point
1: in terms of sell for myself and for the people who have used it that is that is incredible man well uh thank you so much what's Where, your social media as well are you on social media or i i just started believe it or not the <laughs> about six months ago which is
0: insane considering how well i've done in my life so i, I couldn't even tell you what my handles are on various <laughs> social
1: medias but if you go there and put my name in maybe you'll find it that's awesome dude well thank you again Uh, For coming in and inspiring us uh, to go bigger with our dreams and goals and to give bigger with our profit and just be so freaking inspired by what you've been able to do, man. Thank you for coming in. Oh, thank you. Thank you for sharing, Jason. Thank you for listening to the show. If you know someone who's an example of Go Big to Get Big, we would love if you could share this with them. We want to get our message out to as many listeners as we can. And it all starts by having people like you share it with your friends. Also, if you enjoyed the show, take 30 seconds and give us a five-star review. It's a simple act of giving that is free for you, helps us grow our message, and in return, allows others to find us sooner. And until the next episode, remember, always go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with your profit.